Welcome, reanimated fans. This is episode 301 of our podcast. I'm H.A. Conrad, along with my intrepid West Coast host with the mostest, Stuart Tiffin. How are you, Stuart? Hello, A.J. Nice to hear you. Hello. And today we are really excited to be talking about the first couple of episodes of the last season of uh, Walking Dead, season 11. So Yeah. Here we, we're going to talk about that, but we have one little piece of news first. Um, yeah, one, one which confirms our reasoning, our reason for being. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but go ahead. So H.A. and I kind of, I don't remember how exactly we discovered that we both were into horror movies. It was about, I don't know, 12 or something years ago, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think it might have revolved around seeing 30 Days of Night. I don't know if that's true, but I think we both saw that film separately, but then compared notes and we were, we had very similar takes. Is that what I remember? Uh, I think that that'll do. I don't know. I think we started like talking about recurring zombie dreams that too. relating to such things. And maybe that's how it all how it all started. But that's about right. Yeah. But so CNET has an article out this week that um, written by a self-professed mega fan of the walking dead except formerly like years ago she's i think is a lady who writes this yeah kim uh years ago when i was a mega fan of the walking dead she, uh, she says she wouldn't watch it right before bed because she had trouble sleeping but then it's like in the intervening time she has realized that actually by uh, ingesting horror films like or shows like the walking dead she actually has fewer bad dreams and this is something that H.A. and I have compared notes on in the past too. watch horror or zombie stuff and don't have bad dreams. And it all comes back to like how this is basically a cathartic release in watching horror. And it gives you like, you know, a certain amount of endorphins and and lets you sort of come to the end of this uh, dark cycle, which in your mind you can just take to even worse places. Well, I mean, and in my case, I don't know that it means I have fewer bad dreams, but I do more. Um, um, I think by by it's desensitized me a little bit more to the at least the zombie theme and some other things. Um, so I tend to have more lucid dreaming. So even if I'm having said dreams, I understand that it's not real, um, which was not the case before I started doing all of this, um, I guess, self <laughs> self horror film therapeutic treatment or whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> There's a funny disclaimer at the end of this article saying this information is for educational and informational purposes only and not intended as health or medical advice. Yeah. So so they're not saying everybody should go out and watch horror right before they go to bed. But um, I mean, maybe you should give it a try educationally. Well, weirdly, because I watched these two episodes and whatever, I don't know if it's directly related, but I had a very much like a sort of pod people alien invasion dream. um this morning and uh again it's you know i do understand that it's a dream and even within the dream i'm like huh i wonder why i'm having this themed dream i would have written this (laughs) differently (laughs) so it's kind of funny um but funny oh and another just another tidbit i mean yes this is a cool story and i think a few people should read it and the link will be in our show notes but i also i don't know if you've had a chance to watch any of um star wars visions not yet nope uh, we did a couple of episodes last night. They're probably not really appropriate for five-year-olds, but um, uh, I mean, you know, they're not bloody, but it is anime. And, you know, anime can really just be rough. Yeah, There's a wide spectrum of what you might get with anime. Yeah. Uh, but it's I, I watched the first two and I got to say, I, I was quite impressed. Rather right, enjoyed. Well, I, will, I will give it a shot. Yeah. Um, 
But then shall we shall we move to uh, Walking Dead season eleven episodes yeah, one and two? Let's jump into it. The first um, thing I want to mention here, AJ, is uh, those opening numbers. Two point two million were the was the audience for this season. This mm-hmm. is an all time low for a season uh, starter. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to be surprised to hear that, but um, I think it's it's like fifty percent from what they started at um, last in season ten. Yeah, that was four million when they started season ten. Six million season nine. Eleven million season eight. Yeah. Um, and and what I find a little bit confusing about this is that season ten was objectively a far better season of of The Walking Dead from eight and nine. Uh, so it was kind of puzzling that. Well, I think it's when they decided to do the premiere. Quite frankly, um, I think that you know. Mm-hmm having the premiere in August was a mistake. Like, I think you probably should do all of this post Labor Day um, because I just think people, you know, August is an incredibly bad month to do a premiere. That's just my personal opinion. What do you think Um, are the contributing factors to it being a bad month for that? um, I think everybody's away. People are getting ready for school to start. There's lots of stuff going on. I think as it relates to the pandemic, there's just definitely a lot of stress for parents about what's happening in the new school year. And people are on vacations. Like, I, you know, I think that there are shows that are successful, but even those like Ted Lasso, but even those shows basically started like well ahead of that. So it's like, um, and I also think that people feel like they can catch up. They don't necessarily need to watch it like that. And case in point, us. Yeah, we certainly <laughs> so, don't watch it on TV. Right. So so I think that these are all factors. I feel like the numbers and the way they tabulate these things is probably bad and needs to be um, reconfigured. Um, there needs to be some some something else somehow applied because I don't know that that's necessarily the real number, though I do think that August is a terrible month. I actually think probably more people are doing what we did. And they also save up a few episodes to be able to binge a little bit. Um, And some people even save it until the end of the season. I have a friend who has actually not watched any of uh, Ted Lasso or other shows because he really prefers to watch everything all at once. So he's like, Oh, how many seasons are there? How far along are they? And, you know, so, so, so you have people whose viewing habits have entirely changed. And I don't know that the once a week thing is necessarily what everybody does anymore. That's so. fair. Um, the, the notes on the uh, show buzz daily page where Wikipedia gets its um, numbers from also uh, attests that despite the big fall for Walking Dead, it's still towered over the rest of Sunday's scripted cable. So it, it's still beating its competition. It's just that when you look at like the 17 million that it used to get, it's, it's hard to, to make those comparisons, uh, even though the show it's changed, but it is still a very well produced um, piece of TV. However, yeah, uh, your point stands. And I do think that we're looking at these numbers and these numbers aren't telling the story that, that we, uh, that we know probably is, is more accurate, but shall we, uh, delve further in? We've got, um, Acheron basically is what we're talking about. Parts one and two today, and both written by Angela Kang and Jim Barnes. I don't know if I've seen Jim Barnes's name in a lot of writing credits for the show before. Yeah, I guess last season he did one or two episodes. Yeah, I don't know that I have. Um, but I mean, I think that this was like, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing what's happening with our, our group. Um, you know, Hilltop's been kind of done. They have Alexandria and they're like, 
really there's like a food shortage and you know the first sort of opening is them trying to get um trying to get food like mres and stuff from like a bunker i guess um and it is kind of an interesting idea it is definitely i mean they started out with this like interesting kind of set piece where you have a bunch of walkers that have been basically like i don't want to say they hi they're hibernating but i guess they're kind of like immobile because they have had no um no fodder and so they're just kind of like quiet and they're trying their best to keep it that way um you know and they they all go in and you get to see you know your old favorites you get to see carol maggie um daryl um you know you're you're kind of seeing their uh magna who else was in this group sorry uh yeah so it's um, I mean, to see Thomas Howell is there too. Oh, and see Thomas Howell, of course. Um, <laughs> Whose name and, is Roy, we find out later. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of funny that he's now entered into this world, but. Um, yeah, when he was, he's been missing for a few seasons, but then suddenly they bring him back. But that's cool. I mean, hell. I have to say, and, and of course they have Kelly with them, but like, I have to say the, the idea of bringing in a person who is um, impaired, like I know that they're, you know, she she is like, very capable, but especially in this situation where like sound is such a thing that you want to make sure that you're trying to like both not make noise, but also like no be alerted if something's happening. Mm. Um, you know, th I think this freaked me out the most, just worrying about her. She was <laughs> so. she was completely fine though. It was uh it was no no, really... she was totally fine, but it was like stressing me out because I was like, oh, don't let anything happen to her. As um, usual, it was Carol who, if more than anyone, who was doing like going off script. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was cool to see the team working together. Um and, you know, I, I I think that, you know, watching them like get the, all the stuff and then Carol, of course, goes off script. But like, I don't know, part of me is like, OK, there's still supplies down there. You mm -hmm. now have taken out so many of them and you do have the upper hand because you're above. You could just take out the rest of them and go down and at your leisure, get everything else in here. Like it seemed to look kind of weird that they didn't do that. Yeah, right? they should at this that point desperate. just go in through the door on the ground floor and then right. use the choke point to yeah to take out the rest of them. I mean, maybe this base is full of other zombies still that they, they can't take be, that risk. But, but also that um, that vertical uh, separation, there's, a, it, there's an absurd, there's a few bad elements to this set piece, even though there are cool parts too, like the girl well, power I have stuff. A feeling, I, I think I know what you're going to bring up, but go for it. <laughs> So the uh, well, you know that my my long-standing yes. beef is the full auto. Yeah, but they yes. even show how ineffective it is when Carol is using that rifle. They're like they they actually at least have squibs now on the torsos of these zombies, and you're just like, man, you're just wasting the, that precious ammunition that you guys haven't even had in a season like there have been no firearms on this show in a season right because it became so uh so difficult to to replenish but they're just gonna still be a dumb tv show trope and yep. even though you can easily just hold down the trigger or squeeze it once and use one round per zombie no of course not but honestly the the even more egregious ridiculous thing was daryl's two knife throws like I don't yep. care how how long you've been practicing throwing knives, you don't practice throwing knives down. Right. <laughs> you practice throwing them across, right? And so, right. like the effect of gravity on those knives is going to be completely different. But unless he actually does like stand on a cliff and throw knives down the cliff at targets constantly, I don't understand how he could have done that as like within inches of Carol's head too. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. But hey, 
it makes for good television, right? Um, and we I see guess. Carol again going off script and doing the thing and getting more MREs. And then you see why, because it's definitely dire in the community. They don't have that much food to last. Um, I, I did that- like that. The payoff for this set piece uh, was like one week of food. <laughs> I thought right. that was actually, I mean, that, that's a good scene. It underscores uh, the, the situation they're in. The bad part of this next, that scene, this like council scene, is that all of Maggie's buddies are in there. And I'm like, you guys are new. Why is everybody trusting Maggie's friends just because she's there and she vouched for them? I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm unhappy with Maggie, I think, still. I still have beef left over from when she basically got Rick killed, you know, quote unquote. Uh, we've talked about that before in season 10. But now, like, her other posse shows up. And sure, they're a bunch of absolute badasses. And I, I love them all, especially Duncan with his giant hammer. Yep. But uh, why are they in this council meeting? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I I don't get why they would be there because they're not part of it. And I and definitely I had a problem with that. Um, also, um, I just thought that um, like even sort of the logic, like, yes, they are they're short on food and whatever. And now they're talking about a community. Well, there's a reason why she thought all of her badass people were dead. And then they're coming in here and they're coming up with this plan to go and get like food and animals, whatever. But you're kind of going into it blind. You don't even know if all of those things are necessarily true anymore. No. And then you're taking you're basically doing exactly what she's sort of describing happened before, which is taking the best people capable of defending Alexandria and taking them out of the mix. Right. Um, And to go on this kind of mission that they really don't have a ton of information on at this point other than knowing that this group of people um i think her sort of reasoning is that there there's not that many of them and therefore well you know that if that's true then how do they take over your entire community right yeah they they wiped out your community they wiped out the the other red shirts that she showed up with last season to one dude and that's her whole reasoning is like they only sent one guy after us that means there's not a lot of them or they just know that they are way more badass than you. And uh, clearly they were because they killed, I don't know how many people she had with her, like eight. Right. So, so this whole logic and reasoning session that happened here didn't seem very, very full of logic and reasoning. And I also feel like the other people in this community that have been there the entire time are like, I don't know that they would have bought into this. Um, Not all of them did. Right. And that was another weird thing about this council her people actually outnumbered Alexandrians right. in this meeting. Like it was Rosita and Aaron who were like, no, we, we shouldn't go on a mission right now. We need to build back the wall. But then the other part of me is like, you guys beat the, killed the whisperers off without any, well, you had a little help from Maggie and Elijah, but basically by yourselves. I think you can handle putting these walls up now that you have hilltoppers and uh, whatever's left of kingdom people and Alexandria, like you should right, have you the have manpower to do it. Um, and then, and then as we find out um, further on down the line, um, Maggie is aware and knows of these different depots full of supplies and other things, which to me makes a hell of a lot more sense because you don't have to deal with these Reaper people. Like so, if well, you have, knowledge, we have to see how much food is actually in these things. Maybe, we, but you we, know we what I'm find saying. out about that at the end of the next episode. If you're right? if you're being strategic, and if your purpose is to basically keep this community going until you can either grow crops, find new hunting lands, that kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe this stuff could be 
you know, stop gaps and able to do it. I know you have big communities, but um, it just seems interesting that she only reveals that information later. Like this, all of the stuff should be on the table, but I feel like there are like, clearly she wants to like take out the, the reapers, but she has other motive motivations, I think for, for doing this. Like it all doesn't make sense just to support Alexandria. Right. Yeah. So. That, that is a good point that they should have gone to those first. Right. Um, uh, there's also like when, when we meet her, the rest of her badass posse, there's an interesting scene. Elijah seems like they haven't really developed him at all, mm-hmm. but he's the guy with the mask. Right. Yeah. Uh, in last season, there was a scene where he took his mask off and just looked like he was shitting himself. Like he's not yep. a, he's not a badass or he is, but he's not like he has, obviously he's, he's multidimensional, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then in the scene where they meet the posse, he, he has this exclamation where he's like, Agatha. And he just, he's, I'm kind of liking this like two-tone version of this character that we're getting. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, he is a ninja. On the other hand, he's like pretty emotional about certain things yeah. or or filled with fear or I don't know if it was like a, I love Agatha or Agatha's my my mom. I don't know what it was, but it was still, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they do more with that, with, mm-hmm. with his character. I'm getting a real... Um, by episode two of this season, I'm getting a real, oh, this posse is almost all going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're getting that horror movie uh, team of hunt- of vampire hunters in, yep. in like Blade 2 sort of vibe. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they definitely play up the whole tension between her and Negan. Um, they bring him right. along because he has all this knowledge of like the DC area. So that's part of their reasoning um as a a gym coach as a high school gym coach he was like super knowledgeable about the dc metro area apparently um but also it's a question here they want to get to meridian right they came from meridian why aren't they going back the way they came right i mean i don't know if it's like the element of surprise i don't really that wasn't totally explained so there's that part too um And then there's also like the, you know, I have to say like the Daryl and dog relationship is also questionable. Dog's the new Carl. Oh, dog is definitely the new Carl. And like, you know, he can't be quiet. And, you know, Daryl's always having to run after him. And he's just doing a lot of weird things that alert people to Daryl's presence. It doesn't seem like very, all right, well, if Dog's doing all this stuff, why are you bringing him? I don't know. It just seems a little strange. It's, um, he's a total liability, it feels like. He's, I don't know that he's, he's, what is he, like, they haven't shown him doing things that are helpful. Um, right. Certainly not in these two episodes. I mean, he's not finding Timmy down the well. He's nope. like... He managed, I guess he manages to kind of take out a walker sort of, but then Daryl actually has to take him out. And I don't know. It just seems a little weird. Like I don't kind of, I don't really understand what they're doing other than I have like the dog here. Um, You know, I'm assuming part of it is that they're going to have that woman Leah show up at some point, which is to me, I'm guessing that that's the point I could be wrong, but it feels like you're going to have to do something like that because there just doesn't seem to be any reason for him to be along. Cause usually he also like, I mean, he leaves him with Carol sometimes, you know, like when they're actually like doing stuff like this. So it just seems strange that he brought him. So 
Um, so I have to assume that Leah is going to show up somewhere around here. Yeah. Or Daryl didn't bring dog, but dog just decided to go with Daryl because nobody could, nobody tells dog what to do. Dog has no training and, and takes no direction. Maybe. <laughs> it's possibly um, that, could be, that could be true. But by the end of episode one, and then they're walking down the road in the rain. Um, they, they kind of set up episode two by being like, oh, we've got to get out of this rain. This rain is really bad. Um, and I'm like, okay when they go into the subway which i know as a new yorker you're like bad idea jeans you don't go in yep. you don't want to go into an abandoned subway system in a giant well, storm cer- certainly not when when it's raining like that and you don't know what the structure is like especially after years where things have been falling apart and, and you know i will say they're like walking around down there negan's even pointing out the water lines at that point they should have turned around well there was um, a lot of not listening to negan Uh, which led to the you know uh, the uh standoff that they had later and in the next episode but but all like when this when everything starts making those insane noises under underground alden just puts his hand on the wall is like oh it's just air getting blown through the system it's fine it's it's rain because listen to the rain (laughs) like you know and then again you know you're looking at a water line what do you think is going to happen you're in the the underground and you have no higher ground to get to um you're also walking down these tunnels you have no idea what's in there um you don't have any visual anything like you're you're just trapping yourself yeah yeah, maggie it just seems and this group knows this group definitely knows better this adds to my my rage against maggie i like I just feel like she is making bad decisions. Negan is being he's making like good good points, but everybody's just like, shut up, Negan, we don't want to hear from you. Mm. Um, and even Daryl knows better. So anyway, I just yeah. found that to be incredibly frustrating. I found everything with this group to be frustrating to watch. Um, you know, I think that they did some like, you know, and they run into this weird walker graveyard, and it's like, okay. This is also a point where you should turn back, right? I mean, um, it goes on until like you can't even see the end of it. And there right. and then Maggie's like, we're gonna have to knife every one of these in the head. She's <laughs> like, you are making terrible. I mean, sure, it maybe if you had like 50 people with you, but you've got like your little team of 10. You guys are gonna show up at Meridian and be exhausted right. and probably drown in this tunnel. So I don't understand why you're making these choices. Right. And, and then members of your team disappear with like, you not know, just members, but see Thomas Howell. Right. Disappears. And this guy named Gage. And they had also sided with Negan, like we should leave. And then they apparently just leave <laughs> without telling right. anyone. Nobody notices. And they're the ones with the ammo bag. Like who only has one ammo bag? Right. Why wouldn't they? Sp- oh, God. It's just like you guys want to fail. We've also had some flashbacks or cuts to the Commonwealth crew. So this is slightly more. I mean, it's frustrating to some extent, but it's actually funnier. And th- this part I enjoyed a lot more. Um, <laughs> basically, they're all getting interrogated by the Commonwealth people. And it's, you know, classic sort of like interrogation methods, asking them same questions to see if you get the same answers, seeing if you can break down whether somebody's lying or not. Um, also like testing boundaries and whatever. And, you know, in case you didn't know that's what they were doing, they break that down later <laughs> when Yumiko when basically calls them out on every single one of those points. Um, but I thought that one of the funnier pieces of this was how Princess 
actually knows all the guards names and then she has like these like incredible powers of observation and she's been kind of holding on to this and they kind of are all looking at her like wait are you crazy or do you really know this the, um, the paula lazara keeps doing these amazing pieces yeah. of of work with with her character yeah and she's i really I, incredible i love that they gave her that superpower basically it's yep. like she's been watching too many telenovelas or or whatever yeah and and it can just figure out everybody's body language even behind the armor it was fantastic yeah, so she's like calling out these different characteristics and she's like, what, is this useful? <laughs> kind of like really funny, funny things. Um, and then, you know, it's also nice to see the four of these characters working as a team. They're not going to give up the Alexandria storyline. Um, they've all stayed pretty solid. Uh, you've also got, um, you know, uh, Ezekiel doing his king thing, doing his thing where he's like, I'm not going to take this. Um and you know you have them but you have them all coordinating together and even though this is a particularly hard situation um there's a lot of like sort of buzzwords about processing reprocessing <laughs> um there's definitely a lot of all of very specific tactics that they're using there's some thought that maybe the commonwealth doesn't exist and that this is just a sham um and so they all decide to escape but as they're on their way out when Yumiko sees or Princess sees Yumiko's picture, which, by the way, seems somewhat unlikely because did you see that photo? It was a little weird. Yeah, it was um, weird. It was like a fisheye lens almost. Right, right. I don't know that you would have no noticed that at all, but I guess maybe they're throwing that into her powers yeah. of observation. Powers of, <laughs> yeah, powers of observation, not palace, um, uh, princesses. But you know, it makes them all turn around and give it one more chance. And then they are, they have, they have broken into the next level after but, a super awkward, uh, conversation with eugene eventually um yeah i didn't enjoy most of that stuff. i did not either it, it um, just, I felt, just felt it felt like filler and and you know a lot of this there's one there's one thing to do interrogation scenes but it just also felt like it was it was a bit repetitive and and a little boring i think it, it, by the end their escape attempt so they came up with this plan to i assume take out two guards or I'm not sure how they got the guard uniforms. Maybe it was because they took their armor off to have sex. I think that's what it yeah, was. I think that was the so they stole their armor, snuck out, got back, put the armor back where the two guards didn't know that it was missing ever. Potentially. Yeah. Is that what we're thinking? I think that's the idea. Yes. Because they, they are not in trouble for trying to escape at the beginning of the next uh, episode, which is I'm like, Oh, really? Okay. I mean, they're freaking out more. Certainly Eugene's freaking out more. I kind of wish they had showed some of that process of the sneaking, sneaking the armor it. away. You just have to assume that that's what they did and they did it well. Yeah. And the, the <laughs> other, the other missing part for this for me is Maggie is contending that upstairs is death uh, above ground from the subway is death. And they never really make me understand why that's the case. Uh, right. In the next episode, Roy shows up after going upstairs and he's all bloody, but apparently not bitten because they just yeah. patch him up. Um, and he's like, yeah, it was bad, bad idea. But I'm like, tell me why. I don't understand right. why upstairs is bad. It was just raining. There were no people. There were no zombies. Right. All downstairs, it's been all zombies and bad things happening to you guys. But why is upstairs bad? And right. I mean, by I, the end of the episode, at the end of the second episode, they go up and they run into some trouble, but I think they're doing it wrong. I don't, yeah, Maggie, no mind. Maggie doesn't really make that clear to me. And uh, did was that bothering you at all? Yeah, I, I just think that it doesn't make sense. We don't get any kind of information 
about what is driving, like why they are so focused on staying below ground when clearly that doesn't seem to be a good idea. Um, even with Daryl, like when Daryl goes off on his own to chase dog and ends up on his own like little mini adventure um, and eventually finds Rob, like there's nothing about anything that he's finding. Like he finds like that note from a kid to his parents and whatever. What is that? What does that do for the story? He sees other little things, but like there is nothing that uh, even when Rob says that, like Roy, I think you're thinking sorry, of. Roy. Um, yeah, they gave him a name and I forgot it. Roy. Um, <laughs> even when Roy like comes down, he doesn't say, "Hey, this is what happened to me upstairs," and you don't get any indication that anybody knows why it's dangerous upstairs. Um, the whole reason why they went down there was because of the rain, yeah. supposedly. And then, you know, I, I will say that the one sort of like piece that I did enjoy about all of this was some of like the set, um, the set artistry. I think that whoever did that was amazing. Um, sure. I mean, it's good set dressing. It looks impressive. But and it it's doesn't cool, like it's cool, like telling like the little stories that we haven't seen, like what other people's lives are like. And I think mm. that what they had been like and what people did to survive. And I also think that that all plays into the whole speech that Maggie eventually gives um, about the house that she found. And I mean, where she people. just describes an episode of the X-Files to everybody yeah, and pretends it was hers. Like, it's very strange. Um uh, I've seen but, that episode. <laughs> it was like the road meets X Files. Uh, it's one of one, yep. of one of my favorite episodes of the X Files, where the uh, family of inbreds. Uh, yeah. Yep. Anyway, yeah. I, I'll. So obviously, I'm kind of. Uh, I'm on a. I got a bit of a chip on my shoulder about Maggie um, so far, and I have since she came back to the show because I don't feel like. She's well, ever I mean, had to pay my for my it. other issue is that she's been away. She had been doing things for Georgie. You would have imagined that given all of that time away that she would have learned something. I mean, in part, she was running away a little bit because of her recklessness. Of course, also because the actor was on a different show. We know that. But she had to go do that terrible show. But she's had access to all of this other information. I mean, Georgie seemed to have information about finding people and all this stuff. I'm not seeing anything different about Maggie, even though she's like, oh, you know, I'm a different person. She gives this whole speech to Negan about her. Yeah. In her two monologues, she basically says all it seems like all she's learned is to be more vicious uh, because the world Um, is worse than she thought it was. But it doesn't seem like she's leveraging any knowledge that she's gained. And it seems kind of weird, right? Because the thing about Georgie and at least what that piece and that sort of interaction seemed like, oh, there's hope, there's civilization, there are things that are left over from that are good, that are positive about pushing um, humans back into the light, basically, Um, back into the light of like, you know, science and and technology and tools and being able to survive in this kind of crazy world. I don't get any of this from Maggie. I don't feel like she's learned anything. In fact, I think she's even a worse leader, if possible, um, than she was before. It's a little absurd to think that she needed to leave Alexandria to come to this realization that it's bad out there, because guess what? She was a terminus. Like she has been on the show since season two. She knows it's bad out there. We know that as an audience, anybody who's bothered to stay with the show as long as we have knows that she knows that it's bad out there. So for her to come back and make the speech about how it's bad, while she plagiarizes the X-Files, I, I feel like it, it, it doesn't really help uh, help anybody. But Right. And then, I mean, the one the one piece that I think is, you know, I don't want to say it's funny, but it's in, on point. But like, you know, when they're trying to escape the zombies over the top of the the rail, the subway car uh, and Negan doesn't help her and then she's all pissed about it. And it's like, well, what do you want the dude to do? 
Um, you know, he did, you know, I think, I think that Negan totally understands what he did. He understands that he can't actually atone for it with her, mm. but they're both living in the same thing, you know, the same civilization and, you know, they have to coexist. Um, and then, you know, he, he just is sort of like, well, like you can't say you want to kill me and then want my help. Um, it, like, you know, I think that there's some way to be sort of at a truce between the two of them, but she is actively looking to not do that. So it's a, like, I get that. So I thought that that piece was kind of interesting. Um, but I also, there just even the whole thing in the subway car, again, it's sort of like they don't, when, when Gage sort of, they have the whole standoff about who's, if they can rescue Gage or not. I do think that they could have rescued him. I thought it was weird that they made this decision. Well, this was, this was a writer's room. Like, okay, this is how Negan is going to get away from, uh, with not helping her in the last, at the end of that first episode, because she's going to turn around and do exactly the same thing to Gage. And yet she's going to justify it. And I think everybody on the, in, in the ensemble, like in character is going to be like, Hmm, it feels like we just did the thing that we told him was bad. Yeah. Right. I mean, th- right. that I felt like was a fairly straight line. Yeah, uh, obviously, the only person who is not on board not. with it is Alden because uh, he he actually has a, a funny but also problematic line in this episode where he's like, why aren't you, any of you looking at zombie Gage? You can't look at him, can you? And Gabriel uh, Gabriel says to him, all that I see is the shell of a man who died a coward. And uh, Alden's like, that's a pretty hot take, father. And I'm like, OK, I mean, that's funny. But also, I feel like hot take uh, is a phrase that only really came around, I don't know, 2018, 2017, maybe. Yeah. This show should be frozen in its pop cultural references in 2010. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe they have their own hot takes. I'm sure maybe, maybe they, they just developed own... that term on their own. Sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but um, I just think um, that, that whole thing, and it also felt very draggy all this, to me, the timing of all the subway stuff and all that stuff just, dragged along. Yeah. It with feels this, like, like the culmination of a bunch of bad decisions and they're now they're like right. stuck in it, like literally. Uh, this subterranean weirdness just was weird. Uh, I just don't like buy all of this. And then eventually when they finally do make it up to the ground and, you know, they've been reunited with Daryl and, oh, and of course, Daryl comes in and saves the day and, you know, does his whole knifey thing. Yeah. Um, and, and he's able to grenade. take out double the number of walkers that a, that a group of like five people can well it was always absurd that they were like oh we can't open that door because if we open it those zombies will get in i'm like yeah there's like 10 of you you're all bad I right mean, bad in a good way you, we've seen people on this show kill dozens of zombies including you maggie in season what was it when they were like all on the road before they got to alexandria they had that whole herd following them and they right. got all they killed all of them yeah, that's why this doesn't make sense. And it's a very poor writing decision. Um, and, you know, you could say, well, we don't know how many are coming into this car. Well, they're kind of limited because of the one sort of like narrow entryway in yeah. the subway sort of path is pretty easy. Like, it's just like they're kind of stuck. Like some of them can go into the subway seats and whatever, but it's not like they're coming through like a clear line of them. So it's actually they're kind of limited. And even Gage probably could have taken out more if he stopped crying at the window like he He was decided to kill himself first but Um, what what clearly wasn't dead yet when they started eating him which was yeah it's pretty rough gage Um, Gage also made bad choices 
He did. But again, I just don't. This is just to me very poor storytelling. And again, not in line with what we know of these characters. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, today we're going to make them not great at killing a group of zombies, even though we have seen them do this ad nauseum. Um, But okay, so there then they go above ground again, eventually. And um, they are going to this depot that georgie set up in arbor hills um the way that they're going to it look we just quickly they're just walking in a giant gaggle down the road (laughs) down a road lined on either side with hanging corpses i mean they do just notice that and they're like they're thinking about turning around when they get ambushed but the gaggle formation i'm like you guys are acting like you're just i don't know in a in like a alley for a photo shoot for the reservoir dogs or something this is not how you're going to move in hostile territory. Well, and this group especially knows better than to do this. And especially given the fact that they know that these Reaper people are out there and that they're quite stealth. Um, and you just never know um, what is out there. And also they have now seen all these like walkers with vocal cord cut, you know, like they, they know that there's something like not fantastic afoot. So you wouldn't you would think that they'd be a little bit more they'd be practicing a little bit more spy craft, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, like walking in a big gaggle down the middle of the road does not feel like the smart choice in any any of these scenarios. But that's kind of how they're walking in the rain in that one scene. And then they're they're, as soon as they get back out of the subway car, they're walking that way again. I'm honestly not super pumped about these first two episodes. And I feel like I'm getting the same vibe from you. Uh, It looks like then when the Reapers or whoever it is that ambush them show up, they're also walking in a giant gaggle. So maybe that's just how everybody walks now. Uh, They're like, like, yeah, you know, stealth tactics. Let's just all gaggle our way down the street um, because it looks better on camera than you know single file or onesie twosies we'll have to see what eventually happens to them but it's sort of like it serves them right honestly and uh unfortunately um mr howell is now exited the show because they took him out with one arrow to the eye in the dark was it in the eye okay i was kind of hoping that he would just bounce back up again because he was looking kind of like a mix between Solid Snake and the dude, uh, the injured guy on the rowboat crossing the Potomac by the, that yeah. scene. When I saw him, I was like, oh, my God, he's actually still alive. <laughs> like, Daryl didn't, I didn't ace him. Alive too, so I thought that they would keep him alive, but it was like definitely, you know, misdirection. They wanted us to think that. And now I think he's officially dead. Yeah. Uh, well, Wikipedia thinks he's dead. I'm I'm holding out hope that he is, he's going to be like, I'm still I'm still OK. And he'll just uh, he'll rock and roll. I want them to really pick up the sh- this the direction of this show. And I'm a little bit I don't want to say I'm disappointed by Angela Kang's writing here, but I mean you watch her like um, uh, on AMC Plus. You watch her like the d- description of why she's making choices, and I feel like yeah, these are good, but some of them also feel a little bit like fan servicey as opposed to true to the the characters and the, and the story I'm, I'm hoping that they can pick it up a little bit and and take this in a direction that it's going to be more enjoyable to watch than this first couple yeah and maybe it has to do with like maybe maggie has to have an arc and negan has to arc too and their arc together will will result in something more enjoyable um i yeah i i felt like this was all setting the table i didn't enjoy some of the telling of it but i have to guess that this is supposed to just set us up for the rest. So 
Um, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more about the Reapers. We're going to see a lot more about the Commonwealth. Um, I do think it's interesting that, you know, our group of four from Alexandria all managed to keep their story straight. Nobody broke, um, including Eugene at the end. Um, and they all told a pretty convincing tale. He, I guess like, the question, he's a good actor in that scene. Like he's not just lying. He's acting, acting like, yeah. Well, um, and, you know, I it makes me wonder if the Commonwealth has more knowledge anyway, like so we'll have to, to wait and see. But very curious to see what lies beyond this processing center um, and what happens in Arbor Hills. Um, so we'll have to we'll have to like, you know, I have not spoiled myself yet. I don't know if you've moved forward no. yet, but I have not, even though it was very hard to. I did stop. Um and so we'll we'll have to to check out the next thing. I do think you're right, though. There's going to be an arc with Maggie and Negan. And quite honestly, what occurred to me is that they probably will end up sleeping together or something weird like that. <sighs> no. Given the tension that they have between them. I know that sounds somewhat unlikely, but oh, weird God. things have happened. I don't think that's possible. Um, that's that is a hot take, H.A. Um, and I will I'll owe you. A bottle of wine, if uh, if that happens, my okay, God. that is a deal. That is absolutely a deal. I'm totally wrong about it. This is just me being silly. I think but... I think it's it's a bold take. Uh, so I want to. I want. I hope it. You know what? If it happens, maybe you build drunk. you build a tension and like an animus like this, and it has to I end have in a sex. Feeling, Okay, <laughs> I don't know that they would have a relationship, but I think they they may end up having sex. Maybe some angry angry sex. Some angry sex. So if that happens in this season. You definitely owe me a bottle of wine and, and vice <laughs> versa. So we'll Deal. have to see. Wow. Okay. Um, what about Alden? Do we think Alden is coming home from this mission alive? No. Mr. No, I don't nice think guy. he's coming home. I think, it's, I think the only people that survive are maybe Maggie, Negan, and Daryl. What about Gabriel? Oh, uh, maybe Gabriel. I don't know. It just feels... He's very much wrath of the of the Lord Old Testament right now. He might stand a chance. He might stand a chance, but I think her whole crew since they've been introduced so quickly, uh, like I just think, and maybe, maybe, um, uh, what's mask guy? Elijah. Elijah, maybe, um, maybe he makes it out, but I don't, but I have to, I, I think that likely the majority of these people die. Yeah. Like the, the lady with the bow and the guy with the hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whose name, her name's Agatha. His name, I don't know. I think they're Duncan. the first two to die. No, Duncan's the giant dude, the bald guy with oh. the beard. Um, oh, I think well, who's Duncan. The guy with the hair, then. They, I don't know. There's like a, another dude in her little posse. There's Cole, who has the two knives, who we met in season right. ten, and then there's this other guy with hair. Uh, oh, well, he's definitely dead. He's definitely um, dead. Since we can't remember his name, he's got to die. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I mean, we've already um, lost Gage and Roy, so the two red shirts for this mission are already out, and the, the rest of them are you know, more or less uh, not red shirted. So they will go though. Right. And, but, and with our other group, I can't wait to see a little bit more of princess. I'm also um, curious to meet uh, Yumi's brother. Um, mm -hmm. But it's also one of those things where, I mean, we saw in fear of the walking dead that, you know, meeting your sibling or seeing not, your all, sibling not is, always a good thing, <laughs> not always a good thing. So we'll have to see what happens there. But um, but yeah, I think I think that's all I have for this. Um, but hoping the next couple are a little bit better. Yeah. So I guess should we uh, we'll wrap it up and, and ask you guys to give us a holler. What if, if you have some different takes on uh, 
on these two episodes. If you think that uh, Maggie and, and Negan might knock boots, <laughs> let us know. If, if you're on Team HA for this bet. <laughs> team, uh, I don't know, Naggy. Or, <laughs> or Naggy. Uh, Naggy, yeah. Or, yeah, the problem, the problem is, is with an M and an N, they sound the same. So you can say Megan or, or Naggy. Uh, maybe let us know. Uh, reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com, reanimatedpodcast.com, and reanimatedpcast on Twitter. Um, give us a holler and we'll and join us again next time. We're going to get into the next two episodes, which are going to be called Hunted and Rendition, episodes three and four for season 11 of The Walking Dead. And until next time, ciao. All righty. Bye bye.